I got into a conversation yesterday with Millsurp writer Mike. Kind of got me off topic. What I was going to talk about was consequences to this whole Ukraine thing. But we got to talking about veteran stuff, and it all came about because of a tweet from this person. Her name is Shuk- Shukri, and I'm not even going to try to say her last name. It, it's hopeless. Shukri is a candidate now for Congress. She's specifically running against Ilan Omar up in Minnesota. And it's pretty clear that she comes from a uh, African background. And there are a lot of people who are excited about her running. She's running as a Republican and so forth and so on. What caught my attention was her other tweets. She had tweeted about herself in full uniform. She is an Army veteran. So she tweeted pictures of herself in full uniform. And you can see her last name there, Abora, Abora Yaman. I, I'm going to butcher it. So um, Shukri is running as a Republican and as a veteran. And in her tweets, she made sure to make it clear that she is, quote, a combat veteran and consequently uh, is very proud to have served the country, so forth and so on. Now, if you follow the tweets, you'll notice that there are some questions about her claims, which isn't surprising. I had some questions as well when I heard it, and that was in part of the discussion we had with Mike, was, what about this? What, what does this mean when someone says, I'm a combat veteran? Does it mean what they think it means? Does it... Why, why does it matter? Now, we've had this long tradition in this country of uh, veterans using their service to political advantage. Uh, probably one of the best known is this guy. You may know him. You may not. He's a little young in that picture. But in the event that you don't, that's LBJ, Lyndon Baines Johnson, who became president in 1963 after the assassination of uh, President Kennedy was reelected in 64, served until he chose not to run in 1968 because of the issues in Vietnam. Now, LBJ, during his military service, was not assigned to a combat unit. He was uh, more supposed to be an observer, but on a mission, a singular mission, that the plane that he was in experienced some heavy fire and some difficulties. After that flight, uh, LBJ was awarded one of the highest awards that we give, the Silver Star, for action in combat. There were a lot of people who were upset about that, a lot of people who were critical of that. And even to this day, there are a lot of people who think that that was uh, political in nature. And of course, LBJ would use that as part of his bona fides when he would run for uh, Senate and later for vice president. And then later after that president of the United States, whether or not he actually earned a silver star is debatable. It's certainly, there's no question that he was there when it happened, but did he really earn a silver star? Now, my policy is I never question 
those kinds of awards. I will tell you, I question Navy achievement medals, but that's a different story. The silver star, however, is one of those that it's my policy not to question for reasons that should be obvious, but maybe aren't. There are other politicians we've had that are similar. Maybe, you know, this guy, Pete Buttigieg, Pete Buttigieg is a, by his words, combat veteran. He was awarded a joint service medal for his service during the Iraq conflict in which his, he described this, his words, not mine. He described his service as quote, military Uber driver. He essentially was a driver for VIPs around the green zone in, in Baghdad. At one point, and I know we talked about this during the 2020 campaign, we talked about the various politicians who claimed to be, um, you know, military combat veterans and the like. And we talked about whether that service mattered, what kind of service, what does it really matter? There were in my youth, a lot of veterans that were celebrity type veterans that, that served this country and served this country bravely in combat and then went back to whatever they were doing. I think uh, particularly, although I wasn't alive for most of his career, um, his post baseball career, Ted Williams was a huge influence on me. I've said this before. One of the most incredible articles I've ever read was Ted Williams, Wade Boggs. And was it Carl Yastrzemski? I don't remember. I don't remember who the third one was, but the three left-handers and they, they were sitting around a table and the sports illustrated writer just threw a tape recorder on the table in front of them. And they talked about baseball and hitting. It was incredible. But what people forget is that Ted Williams was a fighter pilot, a very successful fighter pilot who served this country in two wars. Adam Driver is a more recent uh, Marine service uh, during the, uh, the recent conflict who would go on to fame as an actor. Uh, most of you know he plays Kylo Ren in the new Star Wars trilogies. This guy, Jimmy Stewart, is just absolutely remarkable to me. Jimmy Stewart was an actor who enlisted in the Army Air Force, Army Air Corps as it was then. He was a, a combat pilot who flew many missions in the European theater, probably had PTSD, probably had very strong PTSD. He talked about it in his post-career, uh, post-war career, um, and then went back to making movies. And so many of those movies involved his service in the Army Air Corps. Uh, he made a fantastic movie called Strategic Air Command. If you've never seen it, it's amazing. He would retire eventually as a Brigadier General. One of the most famous veteran sports athletes uh, when I was a young man was a running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers by the name of Rocky Blyer, who had been drafted by the Steelers in 1968, played for them, and then volunteered to go to Vietnam went to Vietnam, served in Vietnam, was wounded, and then came back and was in many ways a backbone for the four championship teams that the Steelers had. Now, look, I wasn't a Pittsburgh Steelers fan by any stretch of imagination, but we had a lot of respect for Rocky Blyer. We had a lot of respect for the ideas that he had served and then gone back to his career. And 
didn't make a huge deal about it. And this is what it comes down to is veterans who understand what they did, but don't seem to want to use it for political advantage. And we have too many of these politicians that are using it for political advantage. And of course, these questions about Shukri posting herself as a combat veteran on Twitter, I, I think it opens up legitimate questions. But at the same time, are they questions that we really, do we really need to get into them? Because why is she bringing that up? Isn't it enough to just say, I served? Isn't it enough to say I served honorably? I have an honorable discharge. Do we really have to bring in, you know, well, I did this or I have those awards or whatever. Anyway, I was talking to Mike about it <laughs> and Mike and I got very uh, passionate and detailed about it. And, um, Mike shared with me something that he had written or was working on writing. And he was talking about the different kinds of veterans. And I'm not going to read you the whole thing because I want you to go read it. And it's linked up in the, in the write-up for today's, but he was talking about comparing different types of veterans to different types of materials. And so for example, balsa wood, you know, balsa wood is pretty cheap. It's flimsy. It's, uh, it's not good for much. Can't carry a lot. And he describes balsa veterans as those who completed basic training, but never completed their first enlistment. While it's a material which could be used in some sort of constructive manner, it's usually one that's neither strength nor reliability is sought or expected. So when we're talking about veterans, you know, you're talking about maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's a balsa wood veteran. He has some others that are uh, interest, interesting in here. Um, he talks about uh, pine wood, those who completed their first enlistment in a direct support role, but never deployed. Uh, pine grows very fast. It holds value both in structural and decorative applications. But these were folks who either actively tried to be deployed or were un unable to be deployed due to timing, specialty, or service. However, their contributions facilitated the reallocation of resources or manpower accordingly. So again, is there anything wrong with that? Of course not. There's really nothing wrong with the balsa wood guys, except, um, you know, I, I knew several people, I'd say probably four right off hand that I know of that enlisted. Something happened. Uh, in one case, he got hurt. Um, and they were never able to really finish their first, first uh, deployment, their first enlistment. Didn't really do anything. In fact, my, I had a good friend that that happened to, and he went to school. He went to A school and C school. And then by the time he finished C school, he was having back surgery and his career was basically over in the Navy. So they had invested a lot of money in him, but we never got any return for it. But that's not really his fault, but it doesn't really not make him pine. You know, I mean, his presence did allow the reallocation of resources and manpower elsewhere. I think my favorite one that he talks about uh, is cast iron. Now I'm not reading you all of these. He's got a dozen of these at least. Cast iron is the one he used to describe my, my generation, those who served during the cold war. It's debatable depending on one's perspective of, well, issues. Cast iron is a good status. It is forged with deliberation, holds heat well, and is a bitch to destroy. Classic, ancient, and deadly when used with malice, but best sticking to uh, being well-seasoned and cherished for the flavor and efficiency of what it's functional 
Also, cast iron makes the best waffles, bacon, and any other comfort food. Just don't mistreat it because there will be hell to pay if you do. And I thought when we were having the conversation and he, he said that to me and I, I, I laughed, I said, I, I love it as, as a, as a cold war veteran. That's something I really like because number one, I love cast iron as you know, but number two, I often, every time I use my cast iron, the thought that goes through my head is the miracle of how that cast iron came to be. And I, and I asked him, I said, do you, do you know how many stars had to die to form the iron in this cast iron or the, the iron in my blood? How many stars had to die for that? And he started laughing. He thought that was kind of a funny way to look at it. I, I can deal with being cast iron. doesn't bother me at all. Um, it's, it's kind of a weird thing because, because of what I did, I am eligible to be a member of the Veterans of Foreign Wars. I am considered, air quote, air quote, combat veteran. I don't consider myself that. I've never said that, never will. But the Veterans of Foreign Wars considers what we do to have been uh, meeting the criteria for that. So it's, it's one of those things that makes me uncomfortable. But at the same time, um, I understand the thinking behind it. We were in a position of being in what uh, we spent most of the time we were at sea in a condition called 2SQ. Um, 2SQ is a designator of readiness. And essentially it means that from, from the moment they wake us up until the first missile leaves the tube uh, is X number of minutes. And I'm not going to tell you how many minutes that is, but it's a, it's a condition of readiness that is very high. And because of the nature of what we were doing is different than the nature of say what a typical infantryman would do or a air force pilot would do. That was not, not a SAC pilot, strategic air command. It kind of, it does weigh on you. It really does. So anyway, I, I'm perfectly satisfied with that cast iron description that he gave us. He threw in a few more, um, rhodium, Second World War veterans, in terms of rarity and availability, this would be the most precious of precious. And I can't think of a better way to describe them. We're losing so many of them. My sub base, we lost our last World War II veteran uh, during COVID. Didn't die of COVID, but, but he was ancient. And I, I told you the story of, of motor machinist mate, uh, third class. And, and, we talked about his service aboard USS Rattan and how precious those are. Zinc is the coal or the Korean war veterans typical found, typically found in quantities in Korean soil. Zinc is also associated with sacrificial anodes found in corrosive elements. Now look, Mike is a writer and he is a good writer. And if you're not reading his stuff, you should be. And that sentence right there should win you over to his writing. Associated with sacrificial anodes found in corrosive elements. We use zincs on submarines and ships in water, particularly salt water. You attach zinc to the hull and it absorbs corrosive material from the water so that it doesn't get to the, to the, to the hull. And when you think about how we used the Korean War veterans, that's about what we did. We made them sacrificial in a corrosive element. Palladium, Vietnam veterans, rare, stable under heat, problematic 
availability due to Russian supplies. I don't know. I like that. Um, I, I also, I worry deeply about our Vietnam era veterans, uh, starting to go. I worry about our cold war veterans. We're starting to go. And even our first Gulf war folks are starting to go. It's, it's a question that I ask all the time. I, I've, I've said this before and I will continue to say, I personally am very uncomfortable with the constant, the constant, thank you for your service. I get it. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate it, but I'm uncomfortable with it because I didn't do this and I don't know anybody who did do it for a handshake and a hug and a thank you for your service. That's not why we did it. We did it because we believed in something so deeply that we were willing to put that first and it doesn't require thanks. What it requires is a certain acknowledgement and a certain understanding that we did it without this ubiquitous and almost obsequious regard for it. And I think that that's part of the problem. I think that that's how you end up with LBJ and his silver star. I think that's how you end up with Pete Buttigieg laughing about his military Uber service. You, you get into this position where the public becomes so enamored with this idea that veterans, combat veterans, whatever that means, um, is, are, are, are somehow or another worthy of being politically rewarded for that. And so politicians who are never the most reliable, functional people to begin with, they're seeking power, they're seeking authority, and they're using things like words, I am a combat veteran, to influence people to vote for them that shouldn't necessarily consider that. We talk a lot about whether or not presidents should have military service or not. I personally have the opinion that it's not, not necessary. But there are people who think that it is. <coughs> In any case, we need to understand that politicians are always going to play that game. And just because someone says, oh, I am a, I'm a combat veteran, doesn't necessarily mean what you associate with that in your head. They might be technically defined as a combat veteran. Does that make them a good politician? Does it make them a good leader? Is it making someone you should vote for? That's a completely different question, isn't it? <laughs> they might be a combat veteran, but maybe they're made of balsa or pine or some other cheap material. And at least one case, as Mike put it, <laughs> covered in monkey shit. <laughs> <laughs>